Well, welcome to Element Church. My name is Brendan Anderson. I am the youth pastor here at Element. And whether you're here in service, out in the lobby, or joining us somewhere online, I just want to say how excited I am that you guys are here today and how excited I am to get to bring the Word of God to you today. Being the youth pastor here at Element and getting a chance to be on stage, I just want to share with you guys again a little bit of what we're doing in Fusion, especially with the kickoff of our summer ministry. I know everyone here listens to announcements very intently, but just in case you may have missed something or came in a little bit late, I just want to remind you, this Wednesday is the last day of school for all of the kids in school right now. And all the kids said, yes. And all the parents said, no. Um, With it being the last day of school, this Wednesday is our senior high fusion kickoff party. So ninth to 12th grade, and all the students that are in eighth grade that will be in ninth grade next year, we're holding a summer kickoff party just to honor them and, you know, just have a party for them doing such a great job in school all year long. And this is just a way for us to come together, have fun games, free prizes, free food, and really get excited about what we get to do this summer as a youth group. And then next week, June 6th, that Tuesday, is our junior high kickoff party. I did not forget about the junior high kids. They're my second favorite group. Just kidding. They're tied for first with the other one. But that will be for our sixth to eighth graders and all the students right now who are in fifth grade and will officially be in sixth grade next year. That will be our junior high kickoff party. It'll look very similar to the senior high with uh, free food, games, prizes, all that good stuff. But we just want to honor those kids and give them a nice fun time to kick off summer with. And with that shameless plug for Fusion out of the way, I'm so excited that you guys are here today. We are finishing our core values series called This Is Us, walking through each of the core values that we have here at the church that really make up who we are as a church. And if you miss any of the past few weeks where we've gone over any of them, you can catch all of our messages online at the church's website, elementchurchwy.com. But what I'm going to do is just take a few minutes and remind us all of the core values that we have, finishing with the last one today. And luckily, I have all of them behind me on symbols, so that way I don't forget any of them as well. The first one starting over here is obedience is our success. That our success will not be determined by outcome, but by our obedience to God, the symbol representing that as long as the clock is ticking, as long as we have life, that we will be faithful to what God has called us to. And then right here is, if only for the one, that we, will, uh, that we do what we do to bring glory to him alone, to God alone, and reach out to them alone, those who do not yet know him. The symbol, the one with the circle representing that everything that we do revolves around bringing glory to God and reaching out to those who do not know him with his grace. The next one right here is a place to call home, that we will love people for who they are so we can lead them to where they need to be. Church, we know that home can be messy, but we are willing to embrace the mess if not to give somebody a home that they desperately need. And then right here is leading the way in generosity, that we serve a radically generous God. So we want to be radically generous people. And if we believe that God is a generous God, and if he lives in our hearts, then there should be room in our hearts for generosity to flow out of. And then over here is, it matters. That no matter what you do in the church, it matters just the same for the church. And we know that not every place in the church is for every person, but every person has a place in the church represented by the puzzle piece, that there is a place here where you fit perfectly. 
And then the last core value that we're gonna be talking about, before we get to it, I wanna share a little bit about myself and tell you guys about a very bad habit that I have. And I think most people do this. I hope I'm not the only person with this habit, but let me explain. I have the bad habit of not giving it my all when I know I'm going to fail at something. And let me explain just a little bit. It happened a couple of weeks ago when, even though I protested, I was forced into driving a stake into the ground for the compassion experience that we held here at the church. And being a part of a staff that is so loving and so encouraging It is no wonder that even though I didn't want to, I was forced into it. And while I epically failed to get this stake hammered into the ground, my boss, who is a wonderful boss, a loving boss, thought it would be funny to then pull out his camera and then record the antics that would follow. And then past that, in order to really get this full circle, wanted to send it to everyone on staff here so they could also enjoy my struggles. And then underneath the fantastic leadership of Pastor Jeff, he thought it'd be even funnier to post it to social media. So that way, the reputation that I had gotten with my junior high and senior high students, them looking up to me with such awe and wonder would effectively be shattered when they were able to watch this. And in case you did not get to see it, I brought it in for you guys. So you can take just a few seconds and check out this video. Do you hear the love and encouragement on this staff? If you didn't hear at the beginning, the associate pastor, Steve, was saying, do we need to bring my three-year-old Henley out here, who honestly probably could have done better than I did? You see, last week, Pastor Jeff talked about not being a handyman. And while I've never been so bold as to cut electrical wires out of a electrical socket, I am probably even less of a handyman when it comes to actually doing things with my hands. And the reason I tell you guys that story is this. I didn't give it my all when I was driving in that stake. I didn't care whether or not I hit it every time, and obviously you could tell. I didn't measure out where I should be swinging or really even focus on the swing at all. I wasn't honoring the job that had been placed in front of me. And while the stakes when it came to hammering in that stake were fairly low, the stakes when it comes to how we live our lives is enormous, which is why we have the last core value that we are talking about in this series. It's going to be our big idea on the screens as well, and it's this, honor in all things, that we will honor God and honor people with everything we do. The banner behind me representing honoring or celebrating someone in your life. And if we are going to honor God and honor people with everything we do, I believe that we have to ask this big question. How do we show honor in everything? How do we show honor 
in everything. The main scripture is Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 27. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, you can always follow along on the screens as well. And if you're here tonight and you do not have a Bible, we would absolutely love to get you a Bible. You can stop by guest services out in the lobby. They would love to give you a Bible absolutely free of charge, our gift to you. Just a little bit of background on the book of Joshua. It is the fifth book of the Old Testament, and it details the Israelites' conquest of the promised land. And where we are picking up the story, right when Joshua and the Israelites are preparing for their first battle in this conquest. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Honor in all things. Honor God and honor people with everything we do, but how do we show honor in everything? Number one, I believe, is this. It starts with our attitude. It starts with our attitude. My job as the youth pastor centers around teenagers, and I absolutely love each and every one of them, but because they are teenagers and because they are going through what I believe is probably the hardest time in their life, whether that's dealing with school or with friends, with parents or with teachers, or maybe even with their youth pastor, my job also revolves very heavily on teenage attitude or attitude just in general. And it blows my mind the effect that attitudes can have on the people around you and including yourself. My ability to communicate with people, my ability to lead people, my ability to show honor is all reliant on the attitude that I choose to take in any given situation. And this is true for every core value here at the church. It's the coolest thing. This is why the obedience is our success is what we start with and honor in all things is what we end with. They bookend the rest of the core values because our obedience is reliant on our attitude, our generosity, our serving, making this place a place to call home. Listen, I have a three and a half year old at home and when I am on my way home, when she strikes either an attitude with me or my wife, or when I call my wife on the way home and I can hear her in the background on the phone, usually because her octave being able to yell is like at a much higher octave than should be humanly possible. Home is really the last place I am thinking of going. Home is the last place that I wanna be. But every part of our lives revolves around the attitude that we take. And we see this too, it's true for Joshua. Joshua chapter five, verses 13 through 15, it directly precedes what we just read in those verses. And it says this, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a friend or foe? And listen, if you see a man with a sword in his hand, do not go up to him and start making demands. That is not the way you want to live your life. 
Joshua is not a smart man in this situation. But the man says, neither one, he replies. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Honor in all things. It starts with our attitude towards God. When Joshua heard that the man before him was the commander of the Lord's army, his instantaneous response was one of humility and obedience. And I already told you that would not have been my first response. In fact, I would have said something stupid like, well, prove it to me. And he probably would have taken a sword and just swung it at me and cut me down where I stood. But no, Joshua, very smartly, he bows in reverence before him. He removes his sandals, which was a sign of respect in this culture. Everything about Joshua in this passage showed his utmost honor for his Lord, and it all stemmed from his attitude. So as I was reading this, as I was thinking about it, I began to ask this question to myself, and what areas of my life is my attitude keeping me from giving honor? And you have to ask yourself, maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it is at home with your family, with your kids, or with your spouse. Maybe it's at church. And I know that there are some people here who maybe this is your first time here at Element, the first time here in church. Maybe this is your first time back to church after a long time because something happened that caused you to walk away from the church. And I just want to say how excited we are that you are here with us, that there is no place we would rather you be. But I would also challenge you with this. Please do not let your attitude keep you from letting God do amazing things in your heart. Without the correct attitude, it is not possible to show honor. Then verse 8 says this. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in the front with, of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. And listen, that command does not work with junior high students. I have tried it. <laughs> Nobody listens to you except for the shout part. And they're like, what? What did you say? And I'm like, no, shh. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. And then shout. Junior high doesn't get that part. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed this pattern for six days days, honor in all things. We will honor God and honor people with everything we do, but how do we show honor in everything? It starts with our attitude, and then number two is this. It continues with our actions. It continues with our actions. There was no delay when it came to the people following Joshua's and ultimately God's orders. And now I have been married for quite some time now. I say quite some time, but it really hasn't been that long. But today marks five years of marriage for me and my wife. And I've learned a couple of things. It's exciting. I know. Um, I've learned, 
I've learned just a couple of things in my five years of marriage. And one of the things that I think is going to stick with me the longest is this. When my wife asks me to do something, the speed at which I am able to accomplish that task greatly affects her mood towards me after the task is completed. All the wives are laughing because they understand where I'm getting at this. So when my wife asks me to do something and it takes me just, I drop everything and I focus on that one thing, her mood is so much better than if she asked me to do something and that takes me like an entire day to accomplish or maybe it takes me the week or possibly a year. Either way, I'm gonna get it done, okay? I'm just, I'm working towards it. And I learned a few things as I was studying this scripture, this passage this last week. The priest did not normally go into battle and neither did the ark of the Lord. But because of their respect for Joshua, because of the attitude they had toward their leader and ultimately toward God, they obeyed without hesitation. And I believe that hesitation could have spelled disaster because I believe that delayed obedience is actually disobedience. And if you wait till you are 100% sure of something in order to act, you've probably waited too long to act. In everything we do, if we want to show honor, we have to act as soon as we feel God prompting us, as soon as the leadership that God has placed in our life leads us, there cannot be hesitation. There has to be action. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every single feeling or every order needs to be followed through without thinking. That would just be dumb. In fact, I remember when I was a kid and I would follow suit of people that were like in charge of me or not really in charge of me. They were really my friends, but they would do something dumb and I would just naturally follow and do the same dumb thing. And then my mom would come to me and be like, well, why did you do that? I was like, everyone else was doing it as well. She's like, well, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? And I would go, that depends. Mother, did any of them survive jumping (laughs) off the bridge? Kids do not say that to your mother. That's not what I'm talking about. Just because someone tells you to do something doesn't mean you should blindly follow. But I believe that when God prompts something in us and then it's affirmed by another godly person or even better, when it's affirmed in his word, then the clock is ticking. And the actions we take determine how greatly we honor what was put before us. Take a look at the men that Joshua commanded in verse 10. I absolutely, I love this passage so much. I read it to students when they ask me how they should get interested in scripture or where they should start reading in scripture. And I try to pick out things that seem really silly to me and put myself in the story so that way they can see that scripture is not all boring. Some of it's actually really exciting and some of it's actually really funny if you think about it a little bit more than just reading it. But look, these men weren't allowed to say anything. And even further than that, I love this about the story. It doesn't even say in scripture if Joshua explained to the army exactly what the whole plan was in the end, only that they were to march around the town. And then this passage that they were not to say a single word until Joshua decided. So you have to put yourself in those shoes, in the shoes of the men going off to battle. They get up that first day and they're ready. Like they put their armor on, they grab their weapons. They probably have a touching moment with their family as they say goodbye because their family doesn't know if this is the last time they get to see their dad or their husband or their brother or any of that. And they all line up and march out to the battlefield. And instead of going to war, they are told that they are going to march around Jericho one time 
and then head back to camp to spend the night with their families. And now I put myself in their shoes. And I would understand the first march on that first day because, like I said, the priests normally didn't go into battle with them. So they see the priests out there. They see the Ark of the Lord, which was an incredibly uh, important relic to them. And they think, oh, I get it. This is a mind game. We're going to march around the town. We're not going to say anything to the people of Jericho. And we are going to intimidate them. They're already scared of us, right? So we're going to march around. We're going to head back and pretend like we don't even care about them. And then they wake up on the second day and they put on their armor, they grab their weapons, they kiss their families goodbye, and this is it, the day of war. And they get out to the battlefield, they're ready to conquer this city, and Joshua tells them that they are going to march around the town, completely silent, and then return back to camp. Third day, same exact thing. Do you see where the absurdity starts to play in this? A lot of people don't think about the actual lives of these People, So I imagine the families that they were coming home to each night. And when I come home from work, my wife always asks me how my day was. And she doesn't want just a one-word answer. I normally try to tell her it was fine. And she's like, fine, that's it. What else did you do today? No, my wife wants like a complete detailed report formatted in APA style with military stamps of my day. She wants like, boom, 1,400 hours. I had a granola bar. I played some ping pong. Like, Boom, 1,600 hours. I decided it was time to go home from work that day. I did a lot of stuff. But I imagine the wives of these soldiers, and they would come home, and I'm sure the wives would want to know, what did you do today? And the soldiers very meekly would have to explain to their families that, well, we walked around the city, and nobody talked. And the wives were probably getting upset by the third or fourth day, right? They're like, what do you mean that's what you did? That's what you did yesterday. And they're like, here I am slaving away in the kitchen. I'm making all the food. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm walking a mile to the river to bring us home water. And you're just marching? I don't know if that's actually how the conversations happen. I'm just speculating. But in all seriousness, putting on their armor, being completely prepared, going out each and every day to March in silence, every action the people of Israel did in obedience to Joshua and ultimately in obedience to God was to show honor. How do we show honor in everything? It starts with our attitudes, but it can't stop there. It has to continue with our actions. And then verse 15 says this, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast on the horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town, Jericho, and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel." Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. And you know that Joshua was a pastor because instead of saying one thing, he was able to fit in six more things without anybody actually noticing. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. 
Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land. Honor in all things. We will honor God and honor people with everything we do. But how do we show honor in everything? It starts with our attitude. It continues with our actions. And then number three is this. It's sustained when we abolish sin. It's sustained when we abolish sin. Earlier this week, I was struggling with how God wanted me to finish this sermon. That passage we just read is pretty large, and it was actually the longest section of this entire thing. And I kept praying, God, how do I finish this? Like, how do I bring it all home? What's another word that starts with the letter A so Pastor Jeff won't yell at me when he gets back from sabbatical? And then one verse stuck out to me, verse 18. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. And that one verse doesn't seem that important. In fact, the passage seems more about Rahab and her family than it does the rest. And Rahab and her family are actually really, really important in this story. Remember our core value, a place to call home. The Israelites actually gave Rahab a place to call home among God's chosen people because of her faith. And God then used her to bring Jesus to the rest of the world. But that's not what we're focusing on because it clearly says later on in the passage that the people destroyed everything, burned it to the ground, and they took what belonged to the Lord to the treasury as an offering. As I'm struggling to figure out where God wants me to finish this message, as he points that verse out to me, and I'm like, yeah, but we already decided that. Like, that's what they did. I know that. God just reminded me that that's not where the story ends. In fact, in the next chapter, we learn that a man named Achan had actually stolen spoils that were meant for the Lord. And after this incredible victory at Jericho, the Israelites still needed to continue on and conquer the rest of the land. Like this was their first fight, but it was not their final fight. So they go to defeat this little city of Ai, a city that didn't even require their entire army to fight. Joshua sent spies up to that one as well. And the spies came back and said, don't worry about it, Joshua. 3,000 men is all it's gonna take to defeat this little army. But the Israelites are beaten after defeating the giant city of Jericho. And Joshua, like us, would probably be completely confused. He doesn't understand. See, they just defeated this city that was built thousands of years before Joshua was born. The city of Jericho looked invincible by human standards, but they were able to conquer the entire thing. And he tears at his clothing in mourning at this defeat. And he's crying out to God. He says, why would you bring the Israelites out here if you're only going to let us be defeated by this little army? And in his cries out to the Lord, he says this, I love it. If these people continue to defeat us, what will happen to the honor of your great name, O Lord? You see, Joshua's attitude was in the right place. His actions 
were obedient. And then Joshua chapter seven, verse 10 says this. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. And this is so huge because it wasn't even Joshua's fault. Like he was not the one that sinned, but God calls him out on the sin that was inside his people. And church, this is why honor in all things bookends all of our core core values. All of this only works when we are able to abolish sin from ourselves. Because even if our attitude is in the right place, even if our actions are correct, if we're doing those actions with sin-stained hearts, we're not honoring the Lord. You can be generous, sure, but Judas, one of the disciples, was a generous man too. It was not honoring to the Lord. And the Israelites, they went on, they rid themselves of the sin amongst their midst. They continued on to continue conquering the promised land in God's name. And listen, I I don't believe that we we don't have to be perfect. None of us are. There was only one man that was ever perfect. And I fall short every day. Sometimes I fall, fall multiple times in one day. There are occasions where I fall and it seems like I can't get back up. But every day we have to do the best we can to rid ourselves of the sin in our hearts. And then when we've gone as far as we can, we pray out to God to continue taking us that next step further because it's only through him that we are able to. Because honor in everything we do, it starts with our attitude. It continues with our actions, but the only way it can be sustained is when we abolish the sin from our lives. Thank you guys so much for letting me share with you today. Let me pray for you. And then Kenna has just a few closing words. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for choosing us, for saving us, Lord, for fighting on our behalf. I pray as we finish this core value series, Lord, that everything we do, Lord, our generosity, our obedience, Lord, making this place a home, making sure every volunteer realizes that it matters and reaching out for just the one. Lord, may everything we do be honoring to you. Lord, may our attitudes be in the right place. May our actions be correct and aligned with your word. And above all, Lord, Help us get rid of the sin in our lives. Every day, Lord, more of you and less of us. Lord, we love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.